0: Okay. Well, that was a lot of fun. Um, Thank you. So last week, uh, I I wasn't sure whether it was a a series or a sermon or what it was, and I'm not sure really still what it is, but I'm going to have a crack at another, another week. So this little series is called Essence, and really that's a word contemporizing, if you like, of of soul. You know, I'm thinking about our essence, our soul. What is our soul? And I'm still thinking through and trying to get a handle on what my soul is. The thing that is challenging and puzzling is that in the scripture, it is full of references to our soul. And yet so often, I think that we don't really understand what our soul is and we haven't really grasped the importance of it. So this is an opportunity really you know, just to think about that so that we may guard and prepare and, and feed our souls because there is, an, there is a sense in which that's our responsibility, to keep ourselves healthy spiritually. You know, it's, it's not anybody's, you know, my, my physical, uh, uh, my, my body is my responsibility to, to look after. I have lost some weight, five pounds, thank you, thank you. That's why this is so big on me, you know. Um, But, uh, you know, that's that's nobody's responsibility other than my own. And it's actually my responsibility to care for my soul. Now, spiritual disciplines are the bedrock. And by spiritual disciplines, I mean things like, you know, setting some time aside for the Lord to uh, study his word, to worship, to give thanks, to, to, to pray, to intercede for others. These are all part of the daily routine, I hope, for you but certainly should be working towards for the Christian. But there are seasons where God seems to want to take us deeper. It's interesting because many Christian songs today are are crying out to God for more. You know, do more, Lord God. Take me deeper, Lord God, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I think very few of us understand the cost of that journey. That going deeper does not come cheap. And and really, it's it's an act of will, not just passion for Jesus, that will take us deeper into him. So that's what I'm trying to talk to. You may not need this information now, but you will certainly need it at some time in your life. So I'm hoping that you're taking some notes. That little thing, that little tool I gave you last week, which a number of you have said have found helpful, and I honestly have been using myself Four little things to do. If you're in the midst of life and it's busy and it's crazy and suddenly it's getting overwhelming and you're beginning to lose yourself, you know, pause. Press the pause button for a moment. Breathe. Yield. Give it up to God. And embrace his love and kindness. You can do that as you stand on the underground platform having just missed the tube and you've got to be somewhere, whatever. You can do that when the kids are going crazy. I mean, Denise has preached very powerfully in the past about what the challenge that holidays are for for so many mums. you know. It's like the old counting 10, but it's, you know, granny would say count to 10. It, but it's actually more constructive than that. So we're talking about how to feed our souls, how to keep our souls. So last week we started that thing and I asked the question, how is your soul? You know, I said that our souls are, uh, have an insatiable thirst for God. You may f- not feel like that. You may be, be, you may be here this morning because you're, you are a, a seeker, you're not sure yet. So this may, a bit be again, be a bit further than you are at, but I'm, I'm, I'm just putting it out there, that you have a soul, and it's hot, wired for God. And the restlessness, and the lack of satisfaction, and the temporary nature of success, where we do feel good, that we feel like we've got a spring in our step, and it's all coming together, it does pass, And one of the reasons why we're not able to sustain those wonderful moments is because actually, our soul is hungering for something different. Our soul is hungering for something different. And then thirdly, I said this last week, I said our souls are under siege, our our lives are so full, and this is a strategy, I would say it was a strategy, and it's just my language, my vocabulary, a strategy from the enemy, to crowd our lives with noise and stuff and thoughts and hurts and longings and, and anything and everything but God. That's what I mean when I say our lives are under siege. So this was a bit of a recap of lot last week, you can, catch, you can pick it up in the uh, podcast. Anyway, let's read Psalm 42 in its entirety this morning. And... Uh, And then we'll get into the the meat of this morning's talk. As the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Where my soul? Why my soul? Are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Saviour and my God. And as I said last week, uh, Psalm 43 actually carries on that same theme, and there is this refrain: "Why are you so downcast, O my soul?" I'm really talking about. That season of life, and I believe every Christian has to go through it at some point, where God falls silent. Some have described it as the heavens turning to brass. And it's a very disorientating time. You know, this psalm begins with that memorable verse, you know, my soul pants for the living God. Uh, you know, in the 70s and 80s, when there were many more Christian bookshops around than there are now, you could buy all sorts of uh, Christian tat, can I call it that? You know, posters with verses and sunsets and birds and doves and things like that. And a favorite one was, My Soul Pants for the Lord. You know, but this, this, this psalm is, hard, is really hardcore. It may begin with that wonderful picture language, and that is good Picture language. You know, we're all in a bit of a drought at the moment. You know, the, I, I've seen blackbirds panting. Blackbirds panting. I mean, grief. It's hot. It's dry. It's good imagery, but beyond the sort of you know the picture language of of, of doze in waterfalls and landscapes and mountains, there is a very a very deep thing going on here. The psalmist. Who is longing for God is finding that God has fallen silent. What's that about? It was great yesterday, he says, you know, I'm celebrating with the people, loving it, going up to the house of God, you know, no greater thing. But today, you know, my, my, something's changed, something's changed. Well, every Christian, if you talk to them, uh, will have had a season like this. And uh, I, I do ask your indulgence. When, as, I, as I just recap on a bit of my story, it is necessary uh, in order to communicate what I'm trying to do. You know, 40 years ago, Flissy and I were still in business, we still had this, this lovely house in the country and everything, and um, as, as many, many, many of you know, uh, God moved in our lives in a dramatic way, and, and we were just sold out for Jesus, and those were absolute honeymoon days. They were wonderful, they were exciting, Phyllis and I had been growing apart, suddenly we were drawn together again, and, and suddenly we had a mission and a purpose for our lives, to make Christ known and to devote ourselves to him. And as part of that, we felt that God was calling us to give our, our possessions away. Now, the day came when uh, we were, we'd sold the house and everything and we had given most of our furniture away bar a couple of transit vans worth of stuff that was left, you know, mattresses and stuff, and we were moving to inner city Leeds. And I can remember it now, and I've mentioned it before. Flissy was just having a quick look around the house. We tried to leave it nice for the new owners. I was sat at the wheel of this this, um, transit van, and she came out, She got into the car, and I was sitting there in the car while she was just whipping around the house, thanking God that he'd given us grace to do this wonderful thing, and it was so exciting, it was so full of love and so great. She slammed the door, and it suddenly, like the lights went out. And suddenly, I couldn't feel God, I couldn't sense God, and it scared me. Said, are you all right? I said, I, I, I don't know, something just happened. And that sense of being abandoned, and I had abandonment issues, so I was predisposed to feel abandoned. The sense that the lights had gone off and God had disappeared was intense. In fact, I then had a, a, a vision which stayed with me for the next two years of a barren tree without bark or leaves in the middle of a wilderness place with a leaden sky behind it. For two years, that was the only image of God I could see. And the next two years in the natural were incredibly challenging as we lived in inner city Leeds. It was a very difficult time for me, personally. God was, you know, God had fallen silent. Now, this experience... I I now know, didn't know then, uh, has been part of the, the, you know, many Christians experience uh, throughout history. And in fact, in the 16th century, a monk who then became known as St. John of the Cross, wonderful title, wrote a poem entitled uh, The Dark Night of the Soul. And I didn't realize, but I was entering into God's version of that for me. And, uh, you know, it, it, was, it was quite extraordinary. The Dark Night of the Soul is a poem. It's not too long. You can look it up. Uh, it begins in, a, I'll just read you the first verse here. He writes, In an obscure night, Fevered with love's anxiety, oh hapless, happy plight, I went, none seeing me, Forth from my house, Where all things be quiet. So here's the picture at this point is of a of a someone who is in love. You know, the first flush of love, the excitement of love, you you are in love. You, you know, as the marriage course people tell you, being in love and loving are two different things. But it's that stage when you're in love. He starts with that in that place where he's so restless. He has to be with God, and so he steps out, he leaves his house, which has all fallen quiet at the dead of night, steps out into the dark, expecting to encounter God, but what happens is he goes on this extraordinary allegorical journey, which leads to joy, which ends up in joy, but it's a very, very dark place. Now it's not conviction of sin. The Holy Spirit comes to convict us of our sins. You may be sitting here feeling absolute rubbish because you know God is on your case about an aspect of your life, choices that you have made, things you will not let go of. I'm not talking about that. You may feel miserable, you may feel abandoned, you may feel bereft, that's not this. That is conviction. God is trying to impress upon you the importance of repenting in a particular era. Now that's not this. Because the, the thing, as I sat in that van, uh, and there, you know, my first thoughts are a clue as to where this is gonna end up. As I sat in that van, I thought, what? I've just done this great thing for you, God, and you've disappeared? Hello? Is anybody there? Now, I thought I, was a, I, I, I thought that I had been abandoned, that was my stuff, but actually what had happened was that God had fallen silent for a reason. Now, as my dear wife will tell you, the next two years were not easy for, for me, they were even less easy for Fliss. I was extremely angry. I had anger issues that you would not believe. And over the next couple of years, as I I I worked for a Christian organization in Leeds, oh, God, you know, I used to come back and rage at Fliss. And then i go back to work. I I worked a split shift, and it was very, very hard. And in it all, I, I kept saying, I'm just God's whipping boy. I'm just God's whipping boy. It was all bad, it was all happening to me, it was all so unfair, God doesn't care, God is unfair. La 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 la. It was not pretty. And it got to the point where I actually thought that I was gonna have a breakdown. I actually thought I was going mad. And Fliss in that moment, I remember, we were talking about it in, the, in our office uh, this week. We remember it slightly differently, which is interesting. But there came an occasion where I said to Fliss, words to the effect, I think I am going mad. And Fliss had been very dutiful and had listened for nine on two years. And uh, she said to me in a very quiet voice, she said, well, you could go mad, Chris. You could go mad. You could have a breakdown. You could do that. Or you can trust God. I had every reason, self-justified reason, not saying I did, but I, my view of life was that I had every reason after all that we'd done and all we'd given up and you know the flack we got from our family being written out of the will, all sorts of hassle and aggravation, I thought I, I had a case against God. I felt I was righteous, just like Job. I wasn't in sin, but he had abandoned me. But Flissy spoke into that, and it was just a a wife's love, a brave love, a brave word, but it was God's word. You can choose. You you stand at a crossroads, you can choose. You can now have that breakdown that you've, you've waited for and you've earned and you deserve. Or you can trust God. And that was the first new thing that God has spoken to me in well nigh on two years. And it changed everything. The first thing was I recognized it was the voice of God. And in that moment, I knew that God had not abandoned me. He had just fallen silent. Now that's huge. At least that was huge for me. You may be feeling abandoned by God. My question to you is, has God just fallen silent? And so with that, I began working with the Holy Spirit, who I began to sense more and more. And I realized that the first thing that I needed to understand about this well documented but extremely trying season of my life was that I had this choice and I could get bitter or better. I could get bitter or better. I have met many bitter Christians in the course of 40 years ministry, 30 years here at St Albans. It's sad. It's not the end of the story. There may, may yet be that encounter, that word in season, but you can get bitter or better. And I had a choice to make. I had a choice in that moment, and thank God I was given grace to think, okay, if, this is, if you're here, but you're just not saying anything, God knows I wanna work with you, Lord, so what's the way out of this thing? The next thing was, a surprising thought came to my mind. God has a purpose in this. God has a purpose in this and God is in the midst, in the very center of this. Thank you Karen. That was not my experience. That was not what I had chosen to believe and that was all because of history and stuff which had to be dealt with later on. And so at that point, having come to the realization that there was a path before me, I could allow this to work in me, that God you know, was in the midst of this, that God has a purpose in this, I wanted to take that direction that my wife had given me under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and I wanted to trust in God's unerring love, because that's what the book said. I realized I could not live like I was doing. I was driving my wife away. I was terrifying my kids. I had to make some hard choices. Therefore, as for me and my house kind of thing, even though I didn't understand, I was gonna trust in God's unerring love. And then fifthly, I was gonna allow him to do his work in his way in his time. Okay, Lord, two years, I give up. Where, have I, where can I go? I can't go back to my business. So I gave it away to my partner. can't go back to our house. We sold it. I'm here in the midst of, in inner city Leeds, with my wife, barely making it financially. There's got to be a way forward, and that's what I'm hearing you say there is. Now... God did bring us out of that. Yeah, there were many other challenges to come. But that's, it started to change for me on that day. When I, I came to that point of allowing God to do his work in his way and his time. And what was God, What was so what was the purpose in all of this? The clue was in my statement to God as we got in that transit van. I said to God... I've just done this great thing for you. I've just done this great thing for you. I have just done this great thing for you. I had not done a great thing for God. And what God needed to teach me was meekness and humility. And it took two years of his loving kindness to discipline me and get me to that point where I had become like a meek child in his presence. That needed to happen because as as Sam has written, I am a sinner saved. But until I learned that, I thought I was doing God and all the saints a big favor. There's a wonderful little story just to wind up this teaching. I'll just run through it very quickly. You have a choice in the dark night of the soul. Are you gonna let this make you bitter because God owes you big time? Or you've had a hard time and therefore God, you know, really needs to uh, come through for you. Bitter or better, God is in the midst of this although he has fallen silent. God has a purpose in this. He is actually at work. We've got to trust in God's unerring love. He is not your enemy. He is not the enemy of the soul. And finally, we've got to allow him to do his work in his way and in his time. Now, this lovely little story that Dallas Willard mentions, which I just came across again this week, he talks about a very little child, a young child, who in the middle of the night creeps out of its bed, goes along the landing and gets into it's far, it goes into the father's room. Now we've just had our grandkids uh, staying with us and every morning I would, because I'm usually the first up in the house, I would just peep around the door and I would peep around the, the door of the room where the grandkids were and I was very often surprised to see my, my dear daughter, not my grandkid, in one of the kids' beds with her legs sort of sticking out like this, you know. And the story was always the same, that during the course of the night, Tallulah had crept into their bed, which was too small, and kicked and riddled. And then she, had, then so t- rather than taking, having taken Tallulah back to her bed and her reappear, you know, she would just uh, say, give up and leave Tallulah in the big bed and she'd go and sleep in the kid's bed. It was just what they were doing. But in this story that I'm telling you, the child goes along the landing, goes into the father's room. It's absolutely pitch black in that room. The child doesn't get into the father's bed, but the child simply says, is your face turned towards me, father? And out of the darkness, the father's voice says, it is my child. It is. And that was all that little child needed to hear in order to curl up and sleep. So in the dark night of the soul, when and if, and if you're going through it, we need to understand that no matter how painful and disorientating it may be, God is at work within us, but his face is always turned towards us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand and pray. Let's have the team back up for the last song. You. Very kind. Thank you. Thank you. Father we just want to say thank you to you Um, yeah it seems to be the cry of the age Lord help us go deeper Lord there must be more Lord we love what you've done but please move upon us and revive us and, and Lord, we, we do, we would be well advised to pay attention to, to some of our spiritual forebears because there are lessons to be learned. And this salvation does not come cheap. We're not earning it, it costs Jesus his life's blood. And as if we're serious about this, Lord God, we need to be prepared for trials and challenges which will come. But thank you, Lord, that your face is turned towards us and everyone said, Amen.